step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Orson Welles speaking from London. Unexpected violent death. 
is a small mirror, such as you might find in any lady's handbag. A very pretty lady was this one once. She inspected escaped tendrils of soft brown hair, but what she saw reflected was not merely disordered beauty. She saw murder strike. Ah, yes, here. It is the bottle labeled meat juice. Obsolete, archaic type of writing on this label, replete with flourishes and shading. No prosaic typing, handwritten by an expert pen. Then this was only natural in the 1890s when this bottle became the focus of an odd, even a very disturbing situation. Of course, on the surface, the Hammond family, Liverpool, England, 1892, displayed no evil. All was happiness on the surface. Uh, shall we drink to the great events, shall we? Of course, dear. Oh, forgive me, Bob. What event? There you have it, my dear. My own brother doesn't remember our wedding anniversary. Your anniversary, old man? Which one? Our eighth, Arthur. Eight years of happiness. Not to mention six years of our son. And Arthur, you forgot. Perhaps because I wasn't at the wedding. That's right. Robert met me and we were engaged in America. Well, we were married here at my aunt's Exactly, while I was in America myself. Well, with all that straightened out, shall we toast the occasion? After all, how many times is it? A pleasant family gathering on a pleasant family occasion. Nothing evil on the surface. Of course, undercurrents do show themselves occasionally. Almost three o'clock. Time I took my medicine. Yes, dear. Which one is it this time? The liquid or the tablets? I took the liquid at two. That means the tablets now, dear. Oh, you have no idea, Arthur, what it means at my age. How stands me, I, uh, I really don't know. You're a hypochondriac, Robert. Hitch the truth. <laughs> no laughing matter. These sedatives, well, uh, I learned all about them when I was in America last. One contains arsenic. The other has strychnine in it. Now you are joking. I'm not in very small quantities, but poison, nevertheless. Here are your tablets in the water, dear. Thank you. Thank you for everything, Ruth. It's not easy, I know, for a girl to be married to a man twice her age. Don't be ridiculous, Robert. I'm very happy. And so would you be if you let yourself. Honestly, Arthur, sometimes I think your brother is... Do you detect the undercurrents? The constant harping by a 50-year-old husband on the fact that his wife is not yet 30. All the evil is there, deep down underground, but it's there. One would hardly say it came to the surface in an incident such as this. Oh. Writing someone, my dear? Just a note to the Plaza Hotel in London. The Plaza? London? There. I had word this morning, Aunt Rose is very ill, and there's no one to stay with her. You've been out all day, so I've written to reserve rooms to save time before I told you. Yes, uh, of course. You ought to go. Dottie can watch over David, I suppose. Dottie is a jewel among servants, dear. Of course she can. Excellent. Um, I saw Dr. Hubert today, my dear... He's not at all satisfied with my condition. However, we shall see. He's given me another... Evil to him who evil thinks. Perhaps. Still the greeting between aunt and niece at the Plaza Hotel in 
London was something to think about. Darling. Darling. Oh, my darling. It's been so long. Too long, my beloved, too long. But now, my sweet, three whole days together. Three glorious days. Oh, John. An interesting aunt, wouldn't you say, particularly when a young wife is half her husband's age? Now, there were some things which Ruth Hammond had in common with her husband. One was a love of horses and horse racing. It followed then that when the time for the Grand National arrived, Robert pulled himself together and took his wife to the world-famous race. And then an incident took place relevant to this story. Oh, it's wonderful, Robert. Just wonderful. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself, my dear. Hello, Ruth. Imagine running into you here. John. John. The gentleman seems to know you, my dear. I'm... I'm sorry. Mr. John Browning. My husband. How do you do? Well, thank you. And you? As well as can be expected. John's an old friend of mine, Robert. Aren't you, John? Yes, I think I can say I am. Won't you join us? There's plenty of room in our box, and I'm sure we'll be happy to have you. A casual meeting, a simple introduction, a gesture of hospitality, but who would expect a circumspect young woman to cast caution and good behavior to the winds? Dolly! Dolly! Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Hammond. Right here, sir. Well, where are you? I was upstairs, sir, with Master David. Uh, is the mistress with you? I left her at the racetrack. Oh, well, she'll be along soon, sir. I, I mean, sir. I don't care what you mean or what she does. Robert. Robert, can you ever forgive me? If you must make an exhibition of yourself, Ruth, must it be in public? Is that all you care about? Your public pride? I ought to bar you from my bed and board forever. If it went for my son, I would. Robert, please, please forgive me. I'll never act like that again. John Browning is out of my life. Truly, he is. Very well. We shall see. Dotty. Uh, yes, sir? Forget what you've seen here. Understand? Forget it all. Now it was the husband's turn to visit London. Robert Hammond went to the city to see a specialist about his nerves and about the pains he believed came from his liver. From the specialist, he went directly to a chemist's shop. I'd like this prescription filled, please. Yeah, very good, sir. Thank you, sir. Can you make it up quickly? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can, sir, but... And you'll have to sign a receipt for this preparation. It, it contains strychnine, sir. The wife, too, was visiting a chemist. A chemist in Liverpool. Anything else, ma'am? No, I think that completes the list. Oh, no, I'd almost forgotten. Fly papers. You do have fly papers, don't you? Yes, ma'am. Any particular brand? No, but I prefer the strongest you have. I hate to see anything linger longer than necessary. Ruth Hammond took her purchases with her. At home, she rang for the maid. You want me, Mum? Yes. Is there any hot water on the stove? Oh, yes, Mum. Cook always keeps the kettle boiling. Very well, Dottie. 
I want the kettle and the dishpan. I have to soak some fly paper. Whatever from? A druggist, or a chemist you'd call him, in America showed me how to obtain the arsenic from fly paper. It's part of a preparation to keep the complexion fresh. And my skin is none too good these days, Dossie. Fix the kettle in the dishpan, will you please? Thank you. Perhaps nothing more would have been thought about that, about the quarrel in the hall, if another event had not occurred almost immediately. Robert Hammond fell ill. Not merely the imaginary illness of the hypochondriac, but an actual illness. Dr. Hubert was called. He made his examination. Then? Uh, may I see you a moment, Mrs. Hammond? Of course, Doctor. I must admit I'm puzzled by Mr. Hammond's symptoms. His heart seems strong enough, but he complains of chest pains and this constant retching, you know. I'm worried, Mrs. Hammond. Have you no diagnosis? I'd prefer a consultation, yes, if you don't mind. Whatever you think. Of course, Doctor. Whatever you think best. Robert's never been like this. A consultation. The learned doctors probed and listened and probed again. I then Dr. Hubert stood by then and waited. Outside the sick room, Dr. Davis addressed himself to the problem. I don't like it, Hubert. All that retching. It's the prime symptom of arsenical poisoning. The man's been dosing himself with arsenical medicines for years. I know those compounds. The amount of arsenic is minute. Hubert, who is nursing him? Why, his wife, of course. Uh, with some help from the maid. I want a registered nurse in there, and no one else. You don't suspect anything, do you, Davis? I want to prevent suspicion if I can. Get a nurse in there as soon as possible. Meanwhile, we'll prescribe tonics, meat juices, and that sort of thing. I want the bottles watched, night and day. The medicine, the patient, the nurse, all that's in the sick room. Everything and everyone else outside, including the lovely wife. Yes, including the lovely wife. And today, a bottle of meat juice is seen in the Black Museum. In just a moment, we will continue with the Black Museum starring Orson Well, I was taking it to the post box, 
What's your opinion, Dr. Hubert, as an expert on this case? It will be very difficult to have an opinion, Inspector. You see, Mr. Hammond was a true hypochondriac. Always dosing himself with patent medicines, all kinds of prescriptions, but the man's dead. And added to the difficulty is that there seems no really natural cause for his passing. Thank you, Doctor. Not at all, Inspector. Anything I can do to help. From the doctor's office, the inspector made his way to the house of mourning. There, his first object of inquiry was Arthur Hammond. So you are suspicious of the cause of death. Wouldn't you be, Inspector? I need more facts in my possession. There are such things as libel laws, sir, and charges of false arrest. Perhaps you'd be interested in this, Inspector. Um, what is it? A letter. Written by the widow to her London paramour and discovered quite by accident. Thank you. Anything else, Mr. Hammond, which you think might be... There were several things which Brother Arthur brought to the attention of the inspector, and these, in turn, brought Dottie into the presence of the man from the yard. Now, there's there's no need to be frightened, girl. What's all this about your mistress and a bottle of meat juice? I saw her, sir. I saw her slip something in the bottle. I kept the bottle. Here it is, sir. Uh, did anyone else touch this bottle besides Mrs. Hammond? Only nurse, sir. She guarded the medicine proper, she did. Much better than I could. I see. Then you are prepared to swear that no one touched the bottle before or after Mrs. Hammond except the nurse? Yes, sir. I am. Oh, swear, sir? You mean in a trial-like, Inspector? Yes, my girl. Or oh, hadn't you thought of it before the police came in? The questioning completed for the moment. Inspector Adams gave his instructions. Sergeant, I want the Hammond house sets from top to bottom. Here's the warrant. Get to work. The sergeant took a crew and did go to work. Every nook and cranny of the old house was seen to. Closet walls were sounded in search of secret panels. Hearthstones were pried loose. Even the coal bin was emptied. Sergeant Hall reported back to the inspector. Here it is, sir. Arsenic. All over the place. It followed that the next morning. I have a warrant for your arrest, Mrs. Hammond. The charge is willful murder. It was a celebrated trial. The courtroom in Liverpool was packed with the curious, the cruel, and the very, very few who found some sympathy in their feelings. The newspapers enjoyed their traditional field day with the lurid, scandalous details of the story. The really pertinent details of the case were few, however, simple and contradictory. Arsenic was found in the possession of the prisoner. She did not deny it was hers. Dr. Davis testified concerning the post-mortem. I found a little less than half a grain of arsenic in the body. Yes, Doctor, but would you say that this poison was the cause of death? I would. And then the contradiction set in. Asked the same question, Dr. Hubert replied. No, I would not say so, and, and certainly not in the case of this patient. Ah, and why not? Mr. Hammond had accustomed himself over the years to taking arsenic in small quantities. He was used to it. The prosecution countered this with the Liverpool chemist who Mrs. Hammond had visited while her husband was in London. She came in that morning with a list. The fly paper was not on the list. 
The chemist had no idea what Ruth Hammond had wanted with the flypaper. However, Dottie did. Yes, sir. She boiled the arsenic out of the flypaper. Boiled it out? Whatever for? She said to make something for a complexion. She told me she'd heard about it in America, sir. And did you, Dottie, ever see her use such a preparation? No, sir. I never did. And the defense? Well, in 1892, the accused did not testify in self-defense. The accused was permitted, however, to make a statement under oath. My Lord Justice, with your permission, my Lord, three things. I did soak the flypapers for the arsenic they contained. I made a cosmetic preparation from it, which I learned about from Dr. Henry Maysfield in Brooklyn, New York, when I lived there. I did put powder into my husband's medicine. He asked me to. It was a preparation he brought back from London, which had helped him many times before, but which his doctors here refused to give him. Finally, my lord, I wish to state that for the sake of our son, for David's sake, my husband and I had a complete reconciliation. And on the day before his death, I made a full confession of the terrible wrong I had done him. The jury retired. The court waited. The prisoner waited. The crowds waited. Hours passed. Then a knock on the locked door of the jury room. The bailiff opened. The twelve good men and true filed back in the jury box. The judge's gavel rapped.